to the House of Minds, a podcast experience where we dive into individuals' journeys and mindsets with the intention and potential to bring you keys to unlock and expand your mind into new realities and possibilities, because we can all learn something from everyone. All you must bring is a desire to learn, an open mind, and the trust that the universe is always working for you. What will the House of Minds bring you today? Welcome everybody back with another episode of House of Minds. My name is Christina Lynn. I'm the podcast host. And today we'll be chatting with Mike McDonald, owner of Butts and Donuts in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mike started his journey as a personal trainer after a car accident that could have cost him his life. And his religious training of his lower body is actually what saved his life. He went on to complete his certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, began training for a smaller studio, and eventually niched himself into working with females and specializing in glute training, which is what he does at Butts and Donuts. This is his passion as he loves to empower women to become the strongest versions of of themselves, not only physically, but mentally as well. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast today, Mike, and I'm excited to dive in with you. Thank you so much, Christina, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So before we get started, I'm just going to lead us through a quick little mindfulness practice, bring us into full presence, clear the rest of our day away. So for any listeners that are listening, if you're operating any heavy machinery, please keep your eyes open. Or if you're driving, if it is safe for you to do so, go ahead and close your eyes. Start to bring your attention into your body. Notice what is touching the ground if you're seated on the ground. If you're standing or seated on a chair, just drop in. Notice your thighs on the chair, the soles of your feet contacting the ground, the energy that's always available to pull up there, and also the energy that you can dump down. Start to draw your awareness up through your torso, around your shoulders, up your throat, Clear in the air for expression. Let your gaze come to rest at the tip of your nose where you'll find your breath. Start to breathe deeper. Slow your breath down. Start to draw in some clear air, fresh air with your inhales, some presence. On your exhales, let everything go. Your day, what has yet to come, what has already happened, Use your exhale to flush that all out. Bringing deeper presence in with each inhale. Clearing the room for intentionality in the conversation, consciousness and presence. Letting everything else wait, just be here be in the now with your breath. We'll take one more deep breath to seal that in. Go ahead and empty your body completely of all its air. Start to draw your inhale in through your nose, down your throat, fill your lungs, your belly. Pause at the top of your breath. 
Feel a little pressure build, stay with it. As you're ready, open your mouth and sigh or exhale out, let it go. Slowly begin to open your eyes and let's begin. So first I wanna ask you, how did you come up with the name of your studio? Love that question. <laughs> so believe it or not, it was actually a word generator. Okay. Now, yeah, so when I, I used to have my, my Instagram before this, it was Dom Toretto 31. And it was, uh, if anyone knows Fast and Furious movies, uh, Dom Toretto is Vin Diesel's character's name. Okay. Um, and I used to get that all the time in college um, to be called Vin Diesel. Yeah, so I had I that name for my Instagram tag. And then I wanted to have my own business name because I was in a branch off and start my own business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I going to come up with? Uh, so I, I start trying to rhyme words and, you know, gluteus maximus and all, you know, all these kind of kind of out there terms or words. Yeah. And uh, then I was online to a, it's kind of a rhyming generator. If you put a word in, it will rhyme with a bunch of words that rhyme with it. Mm -hmm. And over, I mean, over a few days, I, I finally put in, you know, butts and looked down on the list and saw donuts. And I thought butts and donuts and I say the N, the N, because there was a company or an Instagram tag well before I even had Instagram, like 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and it was deadlifts and donuts or don't donuts and deadlifts. Okay. And I just thought of that, like, as soon as I saw the donuts, it said butts and donuts. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a great name, but I have Catchy. to have a reason or a purpose behind having that name. So what can I think about that would pull me in or, or make me resonate with that? And obviously the butts for training females for the lower bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and the donuts is more of a, the donut is for more flexible, flexible dieting approach. Um, okay. I'm not very rigid with my nutrition like that. I give them usually a good flexible dieting approach, mm -hmm. which means you can have a donut and still not mm -hmm. lose progress. Um, Love so that's it. was kind of created. Yeah, that is completely creative. And that's so true. Yeah. It's all about balance. So yeah, and, and most people, when I, when I first started the name, I put it on when Instagram first came out with polls on their stories, mm -hmm. you know, I put it on there to say, Hey, what do people think of this name? Yes or no. And most people actually said no. Oh, really? Most people said no, like 60%. It was like 60 to 40%. It said no. Yeah. And you know, I said, why? And they said, well, I don't know if it's a bakery or, you know, food or fit, you know, mm -hmm. I couldn't really tell. And just something inside me said, I feel like this is like every other, story that someone says where it's don't listen to anyone else and just do what what feels right to you um and i'm so happy that i stuck with it because i think the name is very trendy and uh people remember the name a lot more than they even remember my name <laughs> that's awesome and yeah it, it's, yeah it's super catchy i always so i had an image that the donuts was actually for like the glute muscle like butts and donuts because it gives you that gotcha. nice little round tush that See, we there all we crave go. so yep both go with it but i love that it stands for balance too yes because that's definitely uh definitely a good philosophy okay let's dive in before we get to like philosophies and stuff because i want to touch on that too but let's go back to kind of your accident um what was going on in your life what then led you into personal training um and how like specifically your training actually saved your life okay so uh to start with the accident so Let's see, what day was this? This was December 13th of 2013. And it was actually a Friday the 13th. 
Wow. Um, which I still, my favorite numbers are 13 and 31. They've always been those numbers forever, ever since high school. My brother loved 31. I just copied everything he did. Yeah. Um, so three and ones are a lot of, I see a lot of those uh, numerical numbers in my life a lot. Uh-huh. So it was kind of funny. That's, you know, Friday the 13th. Everyone's like, oh, it's awful. I'm like, no, it's actually one of the best days ever. And I think last weekend was the first Friday the 13th of the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, August 13th. Yeah. August. So I was working out with one of my friends, Alex Burnbridge, shout out to you. Um, and we went to the gym. I used to go to, was it LA Fitness? I think they changed the name after a 24-hour fitness, and then LA Fitness bought them out. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to 24-hour fitness uh, right in Tempe and Scottsdale. Oh, not Scottsdale, Tempe. Yeah, Tempe. And it was around like 11, 12 o'clock maybe. And I was working out. Got done working out like I usually do. But this day was different because... I texted one of my one of my friends, her name's Katie, and I asked her if I could go tanning. Yeah. Because normally it's right off the 101. So the 101 to uh, uh, Baseline or Guadalupe, mm-hmm. the gym used to be like right there. So every time I used to get down the gym, I would just hop on the 101 and go south towards, I used to live in Chandler. So there was no like roads really. It was just hop on the 101, hop off the 101. Yeah. But that day I actually turned left onto Guadalupe, I believe. Um, because I was going to go tanning because <laughs> she, she worked the front desk. So she would say, anytime you're free, just come by. I won't charge you. Yeah. So I went there and I'm driving there and I don't remember anything from the car accident until waking up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I was just hit by a drunk driver going head on. We were probably going about speed limit, about 40, 45 miles an hour. And don't remember anything, just totally blacked out until I woke up in the hospital. Wow. And I, my injuries were I broke my left hip. Um, I had four broken ribs, a punctured right lung and a left forearm and tricep tear. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. And I was in the hospital for, from December 13th until January 2nd, I believe. Yeah. After the new year. So that was my Christmas and new year's. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. You still love uh, 13 and 31. (laughs) Love it. I love last last Friday. (laughs) Last Friday was great. And it was funny because I just took a vacation back, back East where I'm from yeah, and we took our flight back to Arizona on Friday, Friday the 13th, but it doesn't even, doesn't really even hit me of like, Oh, it's Friday the 13th, you know, plane crashes and all these, you know, put all these bad things in my mind. I just, I just kind of reverse engineer it and think that it's, it's a beautiful day. Love that. Um, so it didn't yeah. impact like your mindset. No, these are still numbers that I love. And actually, yeah. well, it sounds like it turned into a gift too. Of course. It's like, um, you know, uh, NDEs, near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. That really was a near-death experience for me. And I never realized that until after the fact of, you know, kind of reminiscing or or reflecting on that. My mindset really changed because of that accident. Um, How so? I I would say I was very, you know, I'm from the East Coast. It's a little bit different over on the East Coast. Everyone's very blunt and very real, but they're also kind of can I say assholes? They're kind of assholes. Which part? Um, where did you, where are you from in the East Coast? So I'm from Boston. Okay. I don't really live in the city of Boston, but I'm from a small town called Oxford, Massachusetts. Okay. It was like founded in like 1690. It's, it's you know, old school stuff. Yeah. Um, and moved out here, but back to the car accident. So I was yeah, in the, the hospital for a couple of weeks, but more of the mindset change, you know, I really hated life um, after that car accident just because... I'm an athlete. 
I train a lot, even before I got my certification, I've just always wanted to be the best I could be mm-hmm. and getting in this car accident. And I couldn't walk on my left leg for about four to five months. So that's they like gave me death a, to somebody that's so active. Worst, worst. And I'll send you some pictures of my, of my before and afters of my legs, because my legs are my biggest asset I have. Um, you know, my legs, and my butt, if you want to call it that. And during college, when I first started lifting weights, when I was 18, you know, I went to ASU, graduated there, but throughout all four of those years, I mean, I trained legs like it was a, a chest day for men. You know, I just, I just, you pick what you're good at in a sense. And I just was a good squatter and I had strong legs. Um, my dad always had really strong legs and I just hammered those cause I was just good at it. Yeah. And, you know, lifting when you're 18, it's all ego lifting. So it's like whatever you're strongest at, you're going to prefer to do most of. And when, yeah, most men don't prefer to train legs from what I've observed. Yes, yes, like Everything else, but not legs. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I train legs the whole time, but I really shouldn't be here because one of the doctors that performs, the surgeon that performed surgery on me said that he cut through so much glute tissue and muscle that my body should have crumbled like an accordion. And I'll, I'll send you pictures of the car. The car is just... How is this person so alive? This car is just demolished. Yeah, I saw like so I much... saw it on your website. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's like... So I mean, it's just it's just it's my cool. whole front pass uh, front driver's side is just demolished in there. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, if I didn't have as much muscle tissue back there, I wouldn't I really wouldn't be here right now. Um, my body really should have uh, just crumbled. So I, I wasn't walking for about four months. They gave me two options: either a wheelchair or a walker like one of those old people walkers. Yeah. And I said, well, a wheelchair is just way too bulky. I can't even move around with it. Uh, at least with a walker, I can put all my weight in my right leg and just, you know, hop around like that. Yeah. My grandma always makes jokes that I was the first one to have a walker before her. <laughs> yeah. Now, at this point, did they, they knew that eventually you would walk again, but did they not want you to put any weight on it because it needed to heal? Yeah, so it was a total uh, zero pound weight bearing. So that means like you can't put any weight out on it at all. I mean, granted, did I step on it on an accident and some few times like that? Sure. But I really wasn't supposed to be walking on it. I never really did. And then they actually gave me a five pound weight bearing on my left arm, which makes no sense because if you give me the option for a walker, I'm going to put more weight on my left arm than just five pounds, Yeah. which I really didn't listen to. I actually used my walker as much as I could. I never used the wheelchair unless I just couldn't walk that day for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely put more than five pounds on my left arm the whole time. I haven't had any issues with it. I mean, it's a little different, but it wasn't like screwing me up for life. Yeah. And um, so let's see. So after that, so it, the cool thing was it wasn't like a slow, gradual increase. It was non-weight bearing to you're good to put weight on it now, like a hundred percent. That was after, I mean, it, it was a lot of physical therapy for about four to five months, yeah. but I was kind of nervous because they said that I'm like, you sure? Like I can just start. Well, it's, you know, you haven't put weight on your left leg for five months. You're, yeah. That's like a total nervous switch. To, You're like, you know? what? There's no gradual yeah. like baby steps to, yeah. to start back. So up. they were like, no, you're fine. You can go to the gym. Do, I mean, listen to your body and, you know, don't try to kill yourself, but you know, don't go crazy with it. And they said, I'll never be able to lift heavy again like that, which isn't true. Cause I, I still lifted actually the heaviest I've lifted is actually after that, when I did my fitness competition shows, yeah. um, and it was, it's a lot different feeling. I can feel my hip literally every single day, but it's, it's, it's not too much to where it's 
painful every single day. It's just like, oh, yep, I feel you. You're tight as hell. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of stretches and stuff like mobilization stuff. But I was going to say, you um, need some yoga. <laughs> yeah, I do. I need some more of that. I did. I used to do a lot of it, but I don't anymore. You know, I just fall off track. Business starts. Everything goes out of control. Yeah. Um, yep. But life gets busy. So, so did you actually have to get a hip replacement in your hip or what did they put? Oh, no, so so my hip dislocated first and then so your femur, your thigh bone goes into your acetabulum, it's called. Mm-hmm. Your acetabulum is like your hip hip socket. So if I rotate my foot out, my hip will go out. If I rotate my foot in, my hip will go in. And when I dislocated it, that's what cracked my acetabulum. Okay. So they just put some bolts and screws, whatever you metal in there somewhere to put yeah. that in intact so that it can, it can stay in there fine. Okay. So it has a little bit limited range of motion. I can't really internally rotate as much, mm-hmm. um, but there's no rods or hip replacements yet. They yeah. say I'm more prone to arthritis in that area over time. You know, granted, I'm so young. I got it when I was 23 years old. I'm 31 right now. Um, so it's been a little bit of time. And uh, so I'm expecting that in the next 20 years or so, but hopefully advanced medicine will be even that much further ahead. Well, and I still um, because- think that there's something to prevention. Like you said, like they had told you that you would never lift heavy after your accident and you did. So I still feel like there, sure there's these worst case scenarios, right? Or there's a million scenarios that could happen, but there's still the best case scenarios. And if you're preventative and you're protecting the joint, keeping it well surrounded with muscle, um, staying up on your flexibility, uh, treating your body well, eating nutritiously, then like who really knows what could actually happen? Cause yeah. you're setting yourself up and, for and, best case. Yeah. So. And I'm so happy that I lifted weights like that, you know, many years prior, because even when I was actually in that walker, I would still go to the gym. Really? Um, my fr- yeah. My friend Alex, that's that used to work out with, he would take me there too. And my, also my roommates would drive me there. And, you know, I just had this, I literally had my walker everywhere and I would mostly go to anything that I would do seated, you know, and it was all obviously just upper body stuff. And I would just do very basic stuff like, you know, bicep curls and, you know, push downs and anything I can do seated just to get my body. Cause so much muscle atrophy was, you know, I, I shrunk down a lot. Um, and it wasn't really my body weight per se it was more of my muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause laying in the bed for, you know, two to three weeks was really rough for me. I actually had blood clots in my, in my calves and they were getting nervous with that because I was just so active to be so active like that. And then just stop and then, yeah. completely for two weeks. They were getting nervous with that. So they actually had me getting up and moving around a little bit on one foot here and there just to, you know, stop that and yeah. some medication to help out with that as well. But that wasn't a huge issue. That was just a little kind of red flag for a little bit. Yeah. What about like, so the, the movement throughout your, when you couldn't walk, that was probably great, not only for your body, but also mentality, right? Yeah, totally. Because like, we know that movement has that mind body connection and keeps your mindset in a good place. So when you all of a sudden go from not moving or from moving to not moving, like even just being able to be in that ambiance that you used to be in, have a little bit of movement probably did wonders for your mentality too. Like Absolutely. It wasn't until, so back to what I was saying about me being, you know, not really liking life. You know, I hated everything about everything. Cause I, even after when I had, so when I left the hospital, I still couldn't walk, you know, this is like, you know, still four months later. So 
I still had my walker and I was at my house and thank God my roommates were awesome. They helped me out a lot because I, the only thing I couldn't do besides obviously not walking on my left leg was I couldn't really bend my hip up a lot. I couldn't really reach my left foot. So I couldn't really put my sock or my shoe on. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like that awkward, like all things I can put everything on, but just that left sock and uh, shoe I, I couldn't do. Um, I could finagle my shoe on if I had my sock on already, but just getting down there, I couldn't do that. Uh, so my roommates would help me do that if I needed it. And um, where's the go with that? The so, men, so the mentality. So you were saying your mentality really changed. Like you were not in a yeah, great so place before. It just it just really made me see life for what it is. Um, people have this, and I think this is a huge thing for people. People have this fear of dying. Like mm-hmm. hardcore, they're afraid of death. Um, and I think after experiencing that and knowing that I really shouldn't be here right now, there's, there's more of a purpose to my, to my reality, to my life, to help others in any which way. And this just happens to be the way that I, I chose um, that resonates more with me. But I just, people have this fear over, over death. And when you really get over that fear, like really genuinely get over that fear, um, it's, it's uplifting. It's, you feel so much more free. You can live life to the fullest in a sense because everyone's always worried about death and worried about dying and all, all they have this bad, you know, funerals and black and death. And, you know, it's not really a celebration, which in my mind, I think funerals, if you want to ask my opinion, I think they should be celebrations. I, I don't think they should be, a, you know, there's, there's mournfulness there, you know, you lose a loved one, but I, I think it should be a little bit different perception of those, of those things like death. Um, and I genuinely, to my core, if I died right this second, I'm happy with that. If that's how it is, like, I don't have, whenever you ask someone, you know, the question, you know, if you died right now, would you be okay with that? 99% of people say, absolutely not. That's awful. No, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Instead of the stuff that they have done their whole life, it's just not what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it really, you know, I think over time, as I matured more, I would have gotten there eventually. Um, in my mental state, <clears throat> but that just really slingshotted me, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ahead of where I would have been later, because it just really, when you almost die like that, there's, there's nothing really holding you back. It's, 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 uh, I don't know. There's no fear to a lot of things anymore. Um, because that's one of the worst things. And yeah. I just, I just accepted that. And I, I, I brought it on. I didn't hold any resentment or even towards the drunk driver. You know, I'm not, you know, going to be yelling at him the whole time. Uh, you know, stuff happens. You have to learn from that and grow from that because there's only two options. I can either do absolutely nothing and make my life hell and not move and get hurt and injury and get old. And I know how that would work out. I don't want to do that. And the only other option is to get up and move and feel better about my life and just accept what happened because you can't go back and do it over. It is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, you have to grow from that. Totally. So it sounds like there were two things that kind of pushed you through into a new mindset. It was almost like letting go of expectations, letting go of blame, letting go of like holding on to any feelings so that you actually let left the past in the past. But then it also yeah. freed you up from feeling like not an escape from fear, but kind of almost a perspective check where it's all of a sudden it's either I do this now or I don't do it. So there is no more like, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to 
I'm going to wait for a better time or, well, I can't do that right now. It, you, when you have something like that happen, I think it helps you get to that point of like, no, I'm going to do it right now because totally, I like, totally. we really don't ever know when it's our time to go. And yes. if we're waiting for like the right moments or waiting for um, the right circumstances, sometimes those never happen. And yeah. le but learning to get over our fear and our attachment of what is and our fear of letting go of all that and creating something new is often what can keep people stuck. So it sounds like 100%. you broke free of that, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was, I, I would not change that experience for anything. It was, it was what shaped me who I am today. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I started Butts and Donuts. You know, that's mm -hmm. a, a big thing for me. Um, as to getting getting a strong lower body i mean a strong body in general but specifically i mean the lower body like that it's it was it saved my life lifting lifting legs like that for you know four years plus yeah love that now you're making a living off of it look at that that's yeah. beautiful no i, I absolutely love it i i love it i love it i love it so tell me about like okay so you went through rehab how long were you in physical therapy um so i had some stuff during the in the hospital um, and then when I left, so the crappy thing is, is that health insurance over here is very different than Massachusetts or back East. That's like some of the best healthcare in the country. Okay. Um, and over here, they just had a couple spots. They give you like a piece of paper and it's all these physical therapy places. And it's like, choose which one you want, you know, back East. It's like, here's your physical therapy. Here's where you're going. Here's your sessions. You know, here's this and this. And they were just like, here you go. Um, so we picked a spot, at, I believe in Chandler somewhere. And my insurance, I was still under my parents' insurance because I was only 23 at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a big boy yet. <laughs> and the insurance was out of, out of state. So it got super iffy with, I only had, I think like maybe, maybe 20 sessions. I don't even know if it was that much. Yeah. And most, and most of my physical therapy was done without my leg being able to put weight on it. They didn't notice that until they were like, Hey, you only have like five sessions left and you're, you're, you just started walking now. Like we should probably hold off until you can start walking to get more sessions in because oh we've just done like 15 sessions when we really couldn't do anything with that leg yet. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, so I only had 15 to 20 sessions of actual physical therapy. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, for about 45, four to five months. And I asked the, the physical therapist, you know, could you just give me some movements to do? Cause I'm still going to the gym. If you can give me stuff, I'll do it. Like I'm coming to you guys every day. That's, that's my first and foremost thing was getting back to that mobility and helping my hip out more than lifting weights. Yeah. Um, so love it. Accountability. You held yourself accountable. Totally. Cause I just, I just know like, so I moved away when I was 18 to come to Arizona from Boston and I'm just a very independent person. Mm -hmm. I just like putting everything on to me. If something happens, it's, you know, it's in my control and you know, if I want to change it, it's up to me to change it. It's not having a, you know, listen to the parents at a young age now. Um, you know, you're, you're grown up, you're on your own. So there's no more like, can I call my mom to come by? Like, can I call my dad? Like, I can't really do, I can call them. Yes. But I, I can't really see them or have anyone actually help me. So it's just me. And it, it wasn't like I felt alone. I just, I had more power in that sense of just in my own mind and my own vision of what I need to do. And it was just, it's, it's, more freeing to be by yourself and do stuff yourself. It's more difficult because you have to do everything yourself and, you know, pay your own bills and do your own thing. But that to me is, is more freeing. And, and I like that a lot more freedom that way. Gives you more choice. It's empowering too. When you take responsibility for your own life, 
um, because you're in the driver's seat and and it gives you that power of it takes out the equation of like well now I get to blame somebody else no totally I can only blame myself and I'm the only one who can change it so yeah Yeah. and that's that's I still think the truest thing Mm -hmm. yeah totally so he gave you exercises and you did you do them at the gym Oh yeah. All the time. I did that more than actually, I probably go to the gym most of the time just to do those movements, yeah. even though I could still do them in my house. I just want to go to the gym just to get up and move around a little bit more because, um, they, they gave me prescriptions for like, you know, oxycodone and all these hardcore drugs. And I took them when I was in the hospital cause I was in ridiculous pain. And then maybe like a couple of weeks after the hospital, but I remember, I never forget the doctor telling me now take these obviously with pain if you need it, but it will stunt progress because you know it's not really i think i'm thinking back to it when you take those things you can't really feel your body you can't really it's almost like my mind Yummy. can't connect to my body and him saying that it would stop my progress was like i'd rather be in pain <laughs> you know if i can bear it if, if it's not overwhelming i'm gonna do that and just and stick through it and get my progress there and i literally just stopped taking those right away um, because I know it would feel more difficult because I don't have anything blunting that that trauma or that painfulness, but it, it helped me progress so much more fast. Yeah. And and I would never change that for that. And Love it. I did most workouts, just mobility stuff, and I still do them all the time. And how, how long did it take, like, from when you left the hospital until you were walking and or, like, having a somewhat normal leg workout maybe not like it's heavy but like a normal leg workout so as soon as they said so uh about four to five months after i left the hospital i was still not walking on my leg but as soon as they they gave me the go like remember that one day they just said you can you're good i'm like are you sure um i went to the gym right there and worked out 100 percent. that's awesome um now i didn't go hard at all it was like looking at like a nine-year-old in the gym just moving their bodies a little bit with a little bit of weight you know, doing some thigh extensions, you know, some just bodyweight squats, you know, very, very remedial things. Um, Smart. And it felt fine. It felt it felt totally fine. Um, so that was it was about five months before I started really moving my body like that with both legs. Mm-hmm. And putting and putting weight on it. Yeah, I'm putting weight on it. And then so after after that, I really wanted to. So before my car accident, I was actually studying to become a personal trainer. Yes, I was, I was, um, if we go back a little bit, I was actually a police officer in San Diego after I graduated with my bachelor's in criminology and criminal justice, did that for about a year. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I just felt, I felt some type of way of, I wouldn't do this for 25 years or 30 years. Um, and I still think I still made the right choice because whatever choice I make is the right choice. Yep. Um, so when I, when I came back to Arizona after leaving California, that's when I started saying, you know, I want to find a career or something besides, you know, I was a bartender at the time and a security guy. So mm-hmm. I wanted to find something that had a little bit more, you know, career path to it. And I've always been obsessed with fitness and being a cop, I never really worked out that much because I was working so much. Yeah. So when I moved back to Arizona here. I got my certification uh, or my, my information to get my certification. So I was studying for months and then that's when that car accident happened. So I had to put that off. Oh, I actually didn't even study during all my rehab stuff. I was just, like I said, so just hurt 
and just hate the world that I didn't want to do anything. Let's just try to make it to the next day. And, you know, just make it to the next day. I put that stuff away. But when your certifications, usually if you fail the test, they give you a remake. It costs you money, but you can get a remake or, or, or you know, not a redo, but you can get a test. Yeah. If you don't take the test after you've paid for it and don't show up, no call, no show, you have to buy the whole thing over again, which it was a decent amount of money. Yeah. So I said to myself, I haven't even studied yet. I have to go take this test just to get a whatever. And that way I can buy a remake. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I, I obviously didn't pass the test, but they actually show you the score if you fail, but they don't show you the score if you pass. If you pass, you just get a pass. But if you fail, they, they will give you the number. And I think it was, I think it was a, a 70 is a pass and I got a 67. Oh my gosh. So you were almost and there. I'm pretty sure that was, yeah, like one or two, literally like one or two questions. Yeah. Um, so I knew just, cause I've always had a, an understanding of fitness and I've done a lot of self-research myself. So I had somewhat of an understanding. So I knew if with a little bit of studying, I'd be totally fine. Mm -hmm. And they actually, when I, before they even gave me the remake, they needed documentation that I actually was in a car accident because they said I couldn't make the test before, you know, because of this. And I'm like, okay, just we get it though, because I'm sure people make up lies all the time. Yeah. But I sent him my med I sent him all my medical bills. <laughs> it was like three hundred and it was like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was ridiculous. You want proof here? <laughs> yeah. How much do yeah. I want to show you? <laughs> yep, I showed them pictures and everything, and they were like, "No, you're totally fine." <laughs> so after I think it was. Yeah, it was like a couple months after that. Um, I studied just for a couple months after that, and uh, I finally passed the test. And I wanted to look for a gym to train at. Mm -hmm. I I know that I didn't want to work at like an LA Fitness or a Lifetime or or a big box chain gym, just because I just know that they, they don't, personal trainers don't make that much money at those gyms. You know, I'm sure stuff has changed. But as much as I can work at like a a personal training gym or my own studio like this, where I can make it all myself. And um, so before that, now I met this guy named Doug, Doug Lang of Lang Fitness. Um, and that was my first trainer I worked under. I worked with him. But this is before I'm even a trainer now. This is just me after my car accident, getting back and working out. I want to get a trainer. Yeah. So I hired him. And it's actually at a gym called Independence Gym, which is okay. next door to me. I'm still next door to the gym itself. Okay. And um, he really pushed me a lot. It was, it was good to have that extra kind of push. Um, because I'm just are good. Yeah, they really are. So I was training and I really wanted to do a fitness show. I thought that that would help me kind of give me a reason to kind of push myself to get back into things mm -hmm. and especially to help my hip out and kind of push to see if I can, you know, still lift heavier or, or gradually increase. And I really wanted to change my body. Um, cause I was just, I lost so much muscle mass in that year. Um, so we trained for a show. I think it was in July. Yeah, we did. I did two shows in like two weeks, and I'll send you some pictures too with that if you need them. But um, loved the transformation. It was amazing. I loved it absolutely. And then, so I stopped training with him. Um, and what was I looking at? I was still looking for personal trainers. And then I thought out of nowhere, I'm like, well, I just met this guy like a year ago. Why don't I see if he needs anybody? Um, so I messaged him and he's like, that's funny you say that because I literally just let someone go and I'm actually looking for another trainer. Oh my God. Like, he literally like, said that like, it was it? yesterday. The yeah, universe was, was like, here you go. A hundred percent. And this is like before I'm really getting into the spiritual, you know, mindset of things. I'm kind of just 
you know, learning to just walk and, and be strong again in, in more of a black and white, not that gray kind of area. And um, so I started with him and I, it was my birthday, January 30th is when he hired me. Um, so, which is really funny too. Yeah. And so I was training with him. Lucky day. Under him for about two, three years. And uh, just, I really wanted to branch off my own. Um, great trainer, learned so much from him. Um, I was even under another trainer uh, for about, I was hybriding. I was with two different trainers at the same time, kind of working with both of them. Kind of just, I just wanted to figure out what, what the training life is about. You know, how the business side of things are. Because all these trainers at Independence Gym, all the trainers there are all independent trainers. Okay. Um, so they, they don't work for the gym. They pay rent to the gym. They have space there if they choose to have space there. And they just train their clients there. Okay. Um, and that was, that's the best gym. If anyone's in the Scottsdale area, Independence Gym. Phenomenal. I've heard. Shout out. I have a couple friends that go there. I've heard good things about them. Um, yeah. And it's. I feel like um, I've seen this in myself as I was sharing. I'm a yoga instructor. And all vibe well with like different instructors and go to their classes. And it's good to have those different mentors because you get different perspectives and you pick up different things from everybody that you're going to come into contact with. And you might take some of it in and leave some of it, but it all helps you build your own practice. And then it, yes. it helps you build your own, um, your own branding and your own image of, okay, I'm going to, I like this, this resonates with me. I'm going to pick yeah. this up. So when you're in any field, I feel like it's important to get out there and not even just limit yourself to one mentor, but really explore. Because yeah. the more you see and the more open you are, the more you're going to be able to take that in and really see, okay, this is me. This is who I am. This is what works for me. And this is the path that I totally. want to go through. Yes. Yeah. And even getting, you know, from some trainers that I, I might not agree with, um, or their training styles or even the information they put out there into the, into the, into the world. I might not agree with it, but it gives me different perspectives to understand where they're coming from. I can still not agree with them, but understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing happening in the world right now of just having an understanding, having an empathetic perception of where they're coming from um, and kind of reverse engineering that where if they don't do stuff that I might not like, how can I reverse engineer that to, to change that to not be so negative towards that? but to learn from those things mm-hmm. as much as people think that they only people only try to learn from things that they like versus learning from things that they don't like. And that gives you really the, the two perspectives of now I can now choose which ones I want, which ones resonate with me more. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what builds people themselves, that self-awareness to have choice. We all have choice all the time. Yeah. You know, and then you can get out of that reality fight, right? It's like, no, everybody's allowed to have their own reality. There's what works totally. for you. There's what works for me. It might coincide. It might not. Yeah. But, and you're allowed to have your reality. Um, totally. And there are, there's so many different ways to do things. And <laughs> this is a hard one for me, but sometimes I think there's a right or wrong. Sometimes I don't. But at the end of the day, I think there's what's right for me, what's right for yeah. you. And, yeah. and that's all that matters. Right. We can so respect that in each other. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what. So my girlfriend is a massage therapist and she has a specialty in cranial sacral therapy. So mm-hmm. she, I call her my little hippie. Yeah. Um, she has given me so much perspective on reality because before I met her, I was in a very black and white world. 
yeah. you know, very sciencey world with fitness where it's like, I don't care what you have to say about that. Science says that it's not like that. So the results you know, say out. that it works like this, <laughs> you know, when, you know, when I would first, when I first met uh, Haley, you know, saying stuff like, well, you didn't say that yesterday. She goes, well, I changed my mind. I'm like, you can't change your mind. She's like, why can't I change my mind? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's like, that's my truth. Then this is my truth now. And who are you to tell me what my truth is? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's, it gets hard because when you start mixing in like, well, well, this weighs 10 pounds. It doesn't weigh eight pounds. That's not my truth. Like that's your truth. But how is, how are you saying that your truth is eight pounds when it really is 10? Like, you know, where it's like measurable things. Yeah. And in the, in the, in the spiritual world, meditation world, there's not, there's very metaphysical things that aren't measurable. Mm -hmm. Like science would be in a sense for the most part. Um, yeah. so her kind of opened me up into that gray area where before I would be like, right, wrong, left down, upright, like such a duality state. It hindered me from understanding other people's perspectives. And my way was the best way because that's what science says. And that's what the proof is, yeah. um, versus experiences and what you generally feel is your truth. I mean, it's just, it was, it was, it's a big change. Even me as a trainer in 2016 versus now, I mean, when I see people online making fun of other trainers or, you know, belittling them or, or just something that's not a good energy in my mind, mm -hmm. um, I can see myself from before going, I can't believe I used to do stuff like that. Or, you know, I used to, you know, have such a, a duality state of, you know, left, right, you're so wrong or, you know, having this, this bad thing where nowadays when I see stuff that I might not agree with, there's nothing wrong with that. That's your truth. You can yeah. live with that all you want. Even yeah. if, even when it goes into the sense of like, well, I want to tell them that they're wrong because they might tell other people those things and they might be wrong. And it's this huge thing. And I go, well, that's, that's their journey though, that they have to figure out for themselves. You know, I, unless someone's a near death experience, you know, situation where they need help right away, I'm, I might put my foot in them and say something a little bit, yeah. but to them, it's like, that's, that's their journey. I was there before too. I'm not going to give unsolicited advice because if they're not ready to hear that, they're not going to understand anything I'm saying. It's going to be almost resentful for them. And it's going to get a backlash on me. Just like I have to have the awareness to either say something or not say something to someone because I have to be aware that are they going to understand what I'm saying? You know, if I ever give, I don't even give unsolicited advice anymore at all. The conference. Because if they're not asking for it, they're immediately going to be like, well, what's wrong with it? You know, and have this huge kind of, oh God, I shouldn't have said anything. And that's, and that's my fault. If I say something to someone and they have a reaction, that's not really good. I've created that. Yes. That touches into codependency a little bit, honestly. That was, I'm not saying whole, it's all my fault. I'm just that's saying a whole nother like, there's, there's some things that, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> that all inner. No, Yo, I, I said, I just start running off on the stuff. And well, and that's the thing too. <laughs> It's so easy to do that though. It really is like with awareness and expansion and knowledge. And once you're more aware of mm -hmm. the spiritual world and all the different dynamics that underlie it as well, conversations can go so many different ways. But yeah, I think ask like a good general rule is always, do you want feedback on that? Nope. Oh. Okay, great. <laughs> then yeah. Have a great day. You keep doing you. Um, but it, it's very freeing when you can just operate in that 
the spiritual way yeah. of and like an acceptance and a respect of everybody's reality. Yeah. And when you've let go of that codependent habit of like, I need to fix that. Oh no, actually I don't. Totally. I can go keep going yes. uh, doing me with, I wanted to ask, so did you not really have a spiritual practice like before in 2016 um, when you had opened the gym or, and how, so how has that changed the way you're showing up now as a trainer and your connection with clients? So when I started training in 2016, this is, you know, just a little bit, you know, a few years after my car accident, I had no spirituality, anything like that at all. If, if I met my girlfriend now, I would think she's crazy back then. Because to me, I don't care what you have to say to me, what you believe in, it's what you can prove. Very narrow-minded, you know, my, that's literally how I used to think because in the, in the fitness, you know, I can find tangible things. Like I love math and science. The math, you can't be wrong. There's a right or wrong, right? There's a way to get to the equation. There's an answer. There's no multiple answers here, even though there is. Um, so I genuinely think, that obviously the car accident opened me up into, you know, breathing and breath work and meditation and just kind of feeling my body a little bit more but i will say my girlfriend Haley single-handedly changed my mindset single-handedly um being around a person that's i think polar opposites kind of attract each other at times mm -hmm. um and a lot of things that she doesn't have i have and a lot of things that i don't have she has so meeting someone like that at first was like no chance like what are you even talking about you know, I, I can't even understand that. I don't even, well, I just probably didn't want to understand that because yeah. it's, it's contradicting my beliefs and what I think is true and what I know is true. Um, so just kind of letting my, becoming vulnerable enough just to, I wanted to understand where she was coming from and believe what she was believing in and kind of see both sides of it. And even if I didn't believe in it, just to understand it. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't even understand it before because I didn't want to understand it. And I wouldn't even open up my mind to let the information in. Mm -hmm. And over, over time, you know, we've been together now for five years now, over time, it just kind of, it becomes more of a flow state to where she'll be talking about her day and her experiences and just her generally just talking about her life of the day helps me. Um, she not be, might not be giving me advice. Like I might give her actual advice tangible things in real life <laughs> yeah. and she never thought that she was giving me any help it was always one-sided when I said you know babe you're giving me a, a lot more advice just in a very deep way without even saying it you're just talking and I'm getting it from there and you yeah, know your with, with aha moments your aha moments in the brain 100%. you're like oh that makes sense oh that clicks yes and just and just trying to understand her perspective of reality of being she's very spiritual practices every single day, um, very intentional, and just a lot of societal beliefs on things, you know, coming from her, everything just started to change a little bit. And it started to, I started to second guess where the hell I was, because I was in that transitional phase of like, well, I'm not here anymore. I'm not here yet. Like, where, what am I doing? What's going on? Like, what's real? What's not real? And just over time, it's just becoming it starts compounding on top of itself. You get stronger and stronger and it starts getting more concrete and more, uh, it just feels, it feels more right. Um, it doesn't feel right for me to like, to say to someone that's wrong. I, I don't even, it doesn't even feel right to me to say that anymore. It doesn't, it seems like a very duality state. And again, I just, I don't,
believe in that duality state anymore. I, I, that's what divide comes from. And I, I just, I want to be as, as one as I possibly can with everyone and everything. Acceptance. A hundred percent. I just, pig. from a really early age, I've just and reminiscing over my life in the past. I never had a bad life whatsoever, but I was also a very crazy kid at a young age. I've just, I don't know where it came. I've just learned to accept. I, I think at an early age, it was a very spiteful thing. Like, you know, I'm fine. I accept this. It's whatever. But those things kind of turned into different intentions of my acceptance. You know, I, I really do accept every single thing in my life. Um, and that's a huge thing. I think that people are working on is just to find that acceptance of themselves, or other people, their life. Um, and it's, it's a very freeing thing. You know, I said, just find that acceptance is just amazing. And I, right. and I absolutely love it. And I think going back to like wanting tangible results or evidence or um, proof, because again, it goes back to that fear, right? We have so much fear of the unknown and we want to be sure. Like we don't want to leave things up to, it's too scary to be like, well, I don't know, like to not know. So that's why we'll try to cling to, it's a method of control actually. Like, so you can control your reality and have more control, perceived control in quotations of what's going on in your world when actually it's the answer is in the opposite. It's in letting go of that control and being okay with the like, oh, huh. I never contemplated it that way. Being okay with the unknown. And that's where we find what is called the flow state. Which is funny because that actually gives you more control in a sense. Like Mm -hmm. just in a different, you know what I'm saying? Well, then you're only controlling, then you're only controlling the only thing you can control, which is yourself. (laughs) Yes, 100%. Oh Oh, my God. It's beautiful. I I love it. It just goes around. And and that, you know, saying flow state, you know, that's one thing I've learned recently in the last couple of years, like, just learning to, when people get to that flow state and they know what that feels like, I'm sure you know what that flow state feels like. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no thoughts. It's just, it, it just kind of, it kind of just goes, you kind of just know. Um, and there's no, you know, anxiousness or stressfulness of doing this or getting this right. And it's, it's, I'm still working on it every day myself just to get there every day. You know, it's a practice, ever long journey. You know, yep. it's not like, it's not like stuff in my gym that's black and white where it's like, yeah, you hit this much weight, you did it. It's in the spirituality world in the sense it's it's forever. It's it's you. That's what you're that's what you're doing. You know, it's not like a a job where you're like, oh, I have to go meditate now or I have to go do breath work. Like, no, it's it's a purposeful thing that you generally want to do. And and uh when you get into more of a flow state, it's kind of just natural now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and you can find your way back to it, especially the more you put it into practice. But then that's also part of the journey is it's going to ebb and flow, right? So you want to continue to listen to yourself and use that intuitive sense of, oh, I need a little bit more of this right now. Oh, I need a little bit more of this right now. But I feel like you still have to have a base of some sort of practice. Um, Like for me, I know that's yoga. (laughs) I do my yoga daily. I can feel it if I don't, um, because that's like my number one practice that gives me that that sense of spirituality that connectiveness it lets me like rummage through everything in my brain clear the space a lot of things yeah Yeah, which is very i mean i feel like that's very similar to working out um working out is that connection of mind body and gives you that space of connecting in and kind of clears everything out 
So it can, that's a way of putting yourself into a flow state too. Yeah. And, and that's kind of runs into like, um, you know, how I train my clients, mm -hmm. you know, um, you can drink all the water you want to drink, eat all the vegetables, go on all the hikes you want, lift all the weights. But if you're not happy with who you are, like genuinely to your core, like love yourself, you're never going to be healthy. Yeah. If you're always stressed out all the time and you know, your job sucks and this and this, and the reality, the reality that you have created for yourself, um, yes. you're never going to be healthy. And a lot of things before in the gym, when I first started, it was a very vanity, right? So it's most of the 90% of the stuff that you've probably seen a regular gym is vanity, just there to look good. Um, but if you look good, but internally you kind of feel like crap, you're never going to be healthy like that. And it's starting from within and working your way out versus mm -hmm. the other way, which is everyone's just so superficial of just this vanity when there's no depth, there's no connection. And working with women, I love and would never change that. They give me a different perspective of reality. You know, it's not just the men and the ego lifting and the grunting and the this and that and all this testosterone flow. They're more amped to listen to me and to apply themselves. Because like I said earlier, before we started, they have like the, the end of the stick in the gym. You know, it's a, it's a man's world now. And thank God now it's actually becoming a little bit more equal. It's not just, you know, women are starting to see that I can lift too. I can lift weights too. It's not just a guy's world. Totally. Um, and showing them that like, one of the reasons why I do have my own studio is one, if you feel comfortable, you can do anything. If you feel uncomfortable in the gym, guys are staring at you, gawking at you, just whatever, any energy that's put out there, you won't be able to perform well. And you know, I don't blame them. That is usually how it goes. But being in this space, in this safe place like this, one, they know that I have a girlfriend. Two, they know that I'm not a creep and I genuinely want to help them. And three, no one can see you in here. It's just me and you guys. And four, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you give results. Yes, yes. So let's yes. add that in too. <laughs> but getting them more, it was hard for me because a lot of the stuff I've learned in the last few years has contradicted a lot of thoughts I had before. So it may be second guess like what I wanted to do in the fitness world because before it was just lifting weights and getting stronger and looking good. And now it's not so much of a tangible, you know, uh, measurable thing. Um, so for my clients, you know, I always talk about, you know, mindfulness and mind muscle connections and feeling their bodies because someone could just do a squat and bend their knees and come back up and do that a thousand times but are they doing it correctly? Are they doing it intentionally? Mm -hmm. When they come into this gym, they better have an intention of what they're doing for that 45 minutes. It's not just, well, it's Tuesday at 5 a.m. I'm here again. Um, that doesn't fly with me here. Um, I've gotten rid of a lot of clients over the last few years, actually, believe it or not. Um, because of that. One, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever I want as long as I believe that it's intentional and it's real and it's coming from love and it's not being, you know, a bad guy. Um, they can have whatever perception they want to have of me because they might not have had that slap in the face before. Yeah. But I know that I'm coming from the utmost respect and it's just, it's our energies don't match, our vibes don't match. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. And I usually the alignment and when you start to like align to yourself you're not going to be able to tolerate whatever is not aligned to you like there's a discord that you can feel it 100%. and when you remove those things and just keep what's aligned with you your reality is very different you feel 
feel better in your reality. Right. And I just knew that, you know, as a trainer, I mean, I think my first year I made like $20,000. I mean, it was like nothing. Um, and I just had this fear over money of, well, I want to have clients so I can make money and stuff like that, even if I don't like them, um, even with trying everything to kind of make it work. And when I came to my own place over here, I'm like, okay, well, this is my space. You know, I'm going to get rid of some clients and, you know, we're going to talk about some stuff and it's, it's not gonna be a bad thing. And I know, I feel intuitively that they had a really bad perception of me, um, of telling them that, Hey, I don't, I would, uh, we're, we're done training in a sense, or a very short story, but, um, leaving them with the idea of, listen, I don't not, I don't not like you as a person. This is, this isn't a personal thing. This isn't like a, you're a bad person, you know, go away. Um, when I, when they leave, it's, you know, do, what do you need help with? Do you need another trainer? I can refer you to someone else. I, my phone is still open for you. If you have questions, I leave that to them. It's just in the training sense in the gym with other clients, it's just not working like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, and I, I hope they leave that and they think for themselves, like, well, what was I doing versus why did he fire me? Like he fired me, you know, it's, you know, if you've been told 20 times, you know, and, and I hope they learn from that. And, I, um, you know, and I'm glad to entice them to come back to train with me. You know, it's this, not this direct, like we're done by, you know, a very mean thing. Cause I, I hear a lot of trauma stories with trainers and clients and mm -hmm. then, you know, just being really, really rude and inconsiderate. And with me being around women, I can't train like that around women like that. You know, if I start yelling and stuff, they're going to shut down completely. Any, anything I say after that just goes in and out. So I have to find a way to, one, I think tone of voice matters a lot mm -hmm. um, and your intention, what you're saying. So I can be a really mean guy if I chose to do that. You know, I'm tatted up with a bald head and a beard. You know, if I, I was used to be a cop, I can look that part if I wanted to, but it's not going to elicit results that I want to have, not for myself, but for them. Um, I want this to be a learning experience for them to what? somewhat grasp what's being said, because everything that you experience, when you meet someone, you just meet their experiences. So when and I meet someone. It gives that space of, it sounds like you prioritize connection and you can only empower people if you have that relationship with them. So totally. when we're yes. using the other methods of like yelling or any disempowering methods, right? It doesn't yes. build that true space of connection and it doesn't empower the other individual. And there's a big lack of trust when that starts totally. to happen. Totally. And yes. those aren't things that are compatible in building any type of relationship. Mm -hmm. So yes. yeah, it sounds like you prioritize the connection piece with your clients. Yes. And that's a huge, huge part of it to actually make a difference. Yes, because I, I truly care about when clients come in here and they want vanity or they want, you know, I want to look good or this and this, you know, I say, well, how do you feel? You know, how, how's your sleep? How's your stress? How's your job? You know, certain things that most trainers might just kind of ask and just kind of forget about, but that's really what I care most about. Because um, like I said, if, if you do all the work in here, great. But if you sleep like two hours a night and you work 50 hours a week, you know, something has to change, uh, you know, it, that it comes down to most things are just changed with lifestyle choices. You know, it's not these crazy, crazy things we have to do, even though they might seem like that to their perspective. Um, well, it's just change. Change is scary. It is. Change is very scary. Um, but that's usually where most of the growth happens. Yeah. Um, being uncomfortable. 
Um, mm -hmm. But so back to like the gym, my clients, you know, like I said, you, you can just do squats all day long and not feel your body and bend your knees and come back up. But it's the intention around that feeling your body, feeling everything from your feet, grabbing the floor to your head and neck at the top of everything in between that and feeling that connection, that stiffness, that tightness, because you're supposed to stay nice and tight when you're doing movements, not be so kind of flimsy. Um, you'll be able to perform better. You can feel more. You won't have as much injuries. You know, there's, and this, hopefully the stuff that I say in my gym, my intention is to have this carry over into their life. Not just, you know, if someone shows up late every day, they probably show up late to work and certain things like that for the most part, you know, or, you know, so things like that of, of just common courtesy of, of respecting other people's times and having that empathy from other people and, and me, just being a listening ears to them. Just, I'm here to listen. Yeah. Sounds like you practice, practice what you preach. So you're the example, right? And then you bring it out yes. to them. And then it does go beyond, like, that's the thing. When we're training bodies, we're also training minds. So we're going beyond just the physical realm and you can actually have an impact on their entire quality of life beyond just yes. the gym if they choose it yes. right because there's still a personal totally. choice it can go in one ear out totally. the other or they might have that aha moment where they wake up and they're like oh my god he's totally on to something oh my god now i want to yeah. do more and then we're really starting to create that dynamic change yep. but when you're so when you're describing being in your body that sounds like presence you're teaching your clients so how to be present in the moment because yes. what do we need to be present we have to be in our bodies. If we're in our minds, we're not in our bodies. We're like completely out there in our mind, lost in it. Disconnected. But when we come, yes. But when we come back into our body, we're present, we're connected, we're in the moment. Yes. So it gives them that tool to learn that in the gym. And then anything we do, it's muscle, it's habits, right? So then we can take yes, that out yes, into yes. the world and be more present in our lives. And from that presence is where we can build the awareness to then start to make more changes too in our lives. Yes, because so. self, uh, key word, self-awareness is, I use that word so much, and there's different situations also, situational awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have the awareness this time, and that same situation comes up, but it's a little bit different, which entices like a different reaction or different thing that goes with that. So mm -hmm. I've just been really aware of my surroundings and people and also now I'm starting to feel like I'm over empathetic to where I feel those energies when they come in here. I feel, you know, some of them might not even be true. Some might be tricking my mind. My ego might be like, Hey, this isn't true, but I, this doesn't really feel. So let's feel this um, when it's not really true. But I, I have that, that sense of, I can really feel people's energies when they come through that door. I can tell them right now when they walked in, if they had a bad day or not, or if they're tired or this and this, I, I can just feel that. And um, when they come in, you know, it's the intention around what, what your intention is in this, in this session is 45 minutes, because again, it's only 45 minutes. We're not mm -hmm. talking about the whole day here, just a little bit of intention. And when they really get into their minds and really get present and apply, apply themselves, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's such a flow state. Um, and it's present. <laughs> it's so empowering. And they're, they're so, I, I want to be the example that most women see as something to look up to as, not all men are assholes. Not all men are mean or egotistical. Um, I want to change their perspective. And if I can do that for one person, that's great. I just wanted to show them that 
all men aren't the same like that. There are men that are more open to respect you and to just be there um, and to, to show listen. them. Yes, to actually, hundred <laughs> percent. They don't. They don't listen to respond. They just generally listen to listen. And I'm not going to say any unsolicited advice unless you open the door for me to do that by asking me, "Hey, do you have any advice, or do you want to put your your word in here?" Um, and it's it's coming back to the control thing that's that's where i really feel really in control now not controlling mm -hmm. i feel like i'm in control of my emotions my responses you know everything inside of me yeah. and when clients first come to me they might not understand a lot of the ways i do things in here because i'm a little bit different i would consider myself a strength coach over a personal trainer mm -hmm. um because i care more about how much you apply yourselves in here how intentional you are and just how much effort you give me um, because you lifting heavy, not necessarily heavy, but to, to failure, pushing the effort, pushing the envelope, uh, still in a safe manner with good form and mechanics, your body will change. So people always look at, I want to look like that. And I say, put that magazine away. Don't you dare say that you want to look like someone else. I don't, I hate that. I do not like that at all. I don't say that, but I don't like that someone pointing out someone else, you know, saying, well, look at that. That's not you. Yep. That's not um, your body. So, <laughs> you know, and it, and it never will be. And that's good because that's, if we all were the same person, it'd be a very boring world. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense. There's no, there's no, you know, differences of things. Yeah. And uh, so when they come in, that's all I really care about is them putting that work in mm -hmm. and them being intentional doesn't not just in here with me, but outside in life and reality, because if I see you just twice a week for an hour and a half, that's like 0.01% of the time of the whole week. You know, I can only make so much impact. It's up to you to kind of have that self-awareness and that push to do stuff yourself and to go to your more. comfort zone. Yeah. But if you focus on those things and stop looking at the scale or your or what you look in the mirror, the progress will definitely come a thousand percent. Unless you are just so unaware when you leave me that nothing really changes, which that never really happens. They have they I care more about how they feel about themselves. Like if you don't, if you don't love yourself in a stance of like, maybe I don't look the way I want to look right now, but what's to tell you that you're going to love yourself when you look that way? No, nothing's really? guaranteed. Like you have to, and I, I sometimes give them a hard pill swell where, I, where I'll say, you know, well, if you don't love yourself now, what makes you think you're gonna love yourself when you look good? Cause this is a very different thing here. One's more in, very internal, one external. So if you don't love yourself now, you know, what's to say you do later? It, it doesn't work like that. So it's learning to love yourself now, even though you're overweight or whatever it is, because immediately when you look in the mirror and you don't like the way you look, it's an instant comparison and expectation instantly. Because if you lived in a say that, cause you don't know what anyone looks like. You don't know what anyone, there's no fat or skinny. It's just, it is what it is. There's nothing to gauge it off of. Totally. But you don't live under a rock and you look at magazines and stuff and you compare yourself all the time. And then if you notice the next day, nothing changed, but you look great. It's the perception you've had of yourself that day for somehow you look great. So it's knowing that when I look at myself in the mirror, it's almost like I know my mind is tricking me when I think I don't look good. I genuinely feel that because I do the same thing myself. Mm -hmm. I might be like, do. oh, I don't have as much muscle anymore, whatever it is. But I, I just know deep down that's not true. That's not real. I'm just in my mind, my ego is wanting to create that because it's comfortable to do that and stay the same way I'm doing things versus me accepting how I look 
genuinely accepting how I look. And that's only been the last couple of years I've genuinely accepted the way I look. Like I used to be big into the gym and lifting weights. Now I'm not so much myself lifting heavy like that. It's more of a, a mindfulness and, and body mobility and range of motion. So my body doesn't look the same it used to. Mm-hmm. And I just know it's an instant comparison and an expectation of how I should look. When I get into the sense of being more embodied with myself and present, I look fabulous. You know, it's, it's nothing's changed externally. It's just what's changed my mind and how I perceive yes. myself and generally loving myself. Into, and well, that's also like, look at that black and white too. I'm this if I'm not this versus the gray. No, everything is like acceptable and everything can be loved. And we can only change from a place of acceptance. You can't fight yourself to change. You can't beat yourself up to change. You can't cry yourself to, sh- to change. You can't shame yourself to change to any like true lasting change. The only true lasting change comes from a state of acceptance. Once you've accepted, then it's like, okay, now what's next? What's my next step? And then you keep going from that state, but it does take that acceptance. Love that. What else do you, do you talk to your clients about like nutrition or on like other daily habits outside of the gym? so, So most of it is, I don't give nutrition plans or, cookie cutter plans because mm-hmm. I want to teach them more about what calories are, what are calories, you know, what is this energy expenditure, you know, what, what are all these things coming from? Cause I have to give you a foundation to learn from. Um, because if stuff changes, you have to know how to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give a lot of nutrition advice to all my clients, especially the ones that have questions. And I say to all my clients, text me whatever you want, whenever you want, my phone is at your disposal. Um, that's your job to want to, reach out to me to ask questions if you want them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for nutrition, I, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not a dietary nutritionist, I have degrees in that or certification. So technically I can't really give people prescriptions. I can give them suggestions. That's yeah. how all trainers kind of go around that, that, uh, that circle. But yeah. um, mostly sleep and stress. Um, I harp on that so much of getting enough sleep and learning to control your stress. And one of the biggest things that I've learned to control my stress is just breath work. Um, I've, I've done it a lot with a lot of my clients, either if it's before or after a session, you know, I shut all the lights off, put some music on, uh, meditation and stuff. And we just breathe. I will teach them how to do, you know, diaphragmic breath work. Or That's just, awesome. There's no, there's no wrong. So I teach them something. There's no wrong. Just breathe. Just focus on your breath. And I love it because once they're done, you know, I always ask them, what'd you think about? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what'd you think about? They're like, breathing? I'm like, yes, nothing else, right? They're like, nope. You have no job, you have no kids, you have no wife, you have no husband, there's nothing. You are nothing, there's nothingness. It's just the breath and everything kind of dissipates away. And now they're a little bit less stressed out. I don't care if they leave and two minutes later, they get more stressed. As long as they were with that time frame we were with, that's progressiveness, that's progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple, a few clients that are pregnant right now. Um, and some sessions will come in and just do breath work for 40 minutes. That's awesome. We'll do some mobility stuff and do some breath work after. Um, but I just, I'm a big proponent on that breath and it applies to the gym as well. If you're not breathing right during your exercises, you're not going to be very efficient. You're going to get really taxed really fast. 
Yeah. Versus True. if I show them certain breathing techniques during certain lifts, they're like, wow, that was, was a lot to think about, but I feel body a little bit more and I feel a little bit more efficient at doing this. Um, and that's, that's such a, a beautiful thing when I can see clients, especially the ones that I've had for years, the stages of them kind of getting here and then getting there and then understanding this and understanding that. And now, you know, I have, I've had a couple of clients for, you know, three plus years now, just seeing their, their internal progress that they might not even know they have versus my perception of them from before is just, it's so much more than cute progress photos will ever have for me. Cause that's stuff that will stay with them for a long time, if not ever. Totally, totally. And you were a part of their journey and of their evolution. And that's, totally, God, that's yes. so beautiful because I love, I think it's Ram Dass that has that quote, we're all walking each other home. Yeah, And it's so true. Like we're all on this journey together. And if we can have that space of connection and growing and learning from each other, that's what we're literally, literally doing, like walking hand in yeah. hand and having. It's just, it's just really hard because yes, it's just really hard because in the fitness world, I think it's like an oxymoron in a sense because, no offense to the fitness world, I think it's very unhealthy. I think the fitness world is a very unhealthy place, and I say that more in a sense of it can bodybuilding be. and mm-hmm. and fitness competitions. Not yoga. Or, I mean, I'm not really in that world as much, so I don't know what to say from that. But well, it sounds like fit- you kind of yeah. are with like the breath work and meditation you're doing. But I haven't <laughs> really. I don't have girlfriend. that many. <laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, her more than anyone else. But it's it's a very superficial world in the in the in the world, if you will. So there's not a lot of at least from my experiences, clients that come to me, especially in the area I live in, like Scottsdale, it's a very vanity area. It's all about vanity and money and, you know, comparing who's the biggest, who's the best on the ladder. Yes. And I will be the first guy, if you want to have this contest with me to almost, I will degrade myself in front of you, not degrade myself, but I will lower myself. You seem like you're winning because I'm not going to play this comparison game. Um, and it's almost, I do it out of a sense of going to be so taken back by me not going at them that they're going to be like, wait, what did he do? Like, you said you made 100,000. I'm going to be like, I made 20,000. And they're going to be like, wait, what? You know, he's expecting me to one up him now. Or, you know, and I just don't do they that. Don't I, I don't know how to myself. Yeah, they, they really don't. They really don't. And but it, the, the hardest thing for me is taking those clients into my gym that they've probably never had experiences with. And I'm sure they've had many trainers. This this state and this area has trainers everywhere, personal trainers. Mm-hmm. But totally. I think that not a lot of them have that mindfulness of intentions and feeling their bodies over vanity and numbers and statistics and certain things. So when they first come in, it's really hard for me because I can feel their energy of like, I don't like this or this is different or how do I even... Am I even listening right now? And I, I get over empathetic of that. I'm like, oh, how do I make them understand this? Because it is like, you know, a punch in the face to them in a sense of it goes against a lot of things they've been told their whole life or had a different experience with different trainers. And it's it's part of my parts to really help them kind of see their true self, you know, the, to, the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest thing is just, I can't over over reiterated again like just mindfulness and just loving yourself before you walked in that door like getting that to be self-aware and self-love themselves is just speaks volume volumes to me 
that's so much more than anything else could ever buy for me. I love that. Um, that sounds like your mission statement. Thank <laughs> Mindfulness. you. Mindfulness. And that's, if we look at a little deeper at that, that's learning to let go of the ego, the ego attachments to everything that's worldly, everything external. The ego builds itself up, right? By all this stuff oh, yeah. that I have and mm -hmm. the look at me attention where the yep. spirituality root in our soul doesn't take it. Our value comes internally. It's not, ego is very external, whereas the spiritual and the soul is more yeah. internal. So it's learning to value yourself and the other people around you in a different way versus the ways that you've been taught and are even raised because we were taught these things, right? We learned them from somewhere. So it's actually learning to be willing to undo and look yeah, at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, well, where am I showing up? That's like not my real highest self. And that I have to be aware to catch myself to not go into and not do that thing anymore, that pattern, yes. so that I can step into my spiritual light. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, you have to really become vulnerable and allow that ego to go away, to become vulnerable enough to allow those things to even, you know, come into your mind to want to understand and then actively make the decision to take control and do things yourself of how you want to, even though you know that before you never did that. And it might be very, very different. It will be very different, but different isn't always bad. Nope. Um, it's, it's, nope. yeah, it's. What it comes with different comes a lot of feelings, right? There comes like anxiety, guilt, sometimes shame. So it's also learning the emotional intelligence of like, wait, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that? oh, okay, it's okay. I can ebb and flow with these feelings. And I know they're just here because this is something new and weird and awkward. But the more I do it, the more those feelings dissipate just on their own. Yes, learn to accept that. Yeah, yeah it's just the mind has been getting to people internally like that is just so much more empowering to me than any fitness stuff will ever be. Um, I always tell myself, if you put me in a suit and a coat and put therapist in the door and clients came in here i guarantee you i could help them somehow without being so well how was your day today miss you know so like you know they're so like am i a human do you know how to talk to me like a human being you know how to how to empathize with me and get on my level so that i can feel comfortable to now speak to you of how i want to speak um and that's what i like to have with my clients i want them to feel like you're safe with me i will never dare say stuff that you've told me that's not my job. That's not my right to do that. And that's, that's going to build a lot of distrust if anything were to come out about certain things like that. I want them to, cause I feel like a lot of people, they love gossip. They love just talking about stuff. And I just learned at an early age after screwing up so many times, the more I gossip, the more crap happens to me. Yep. So why don't I just so did push I. it up a little bit, you know? So yeah, I don't now, I just, gossip. yeah, I just, I love being that person that they can know they can actually generally talk to probably even more than some people that are closer to them in their life than than me um and i love that because that's that makes me feel really good about myself that they can that they're they can be open enough to me to spill whatever they want to spill because i'm just i'm just and here trust to trust you and trust you 100 percent. and i would assume that you do things in a way where it's like you put it back on them right like oh, you're gonna find questions. your solution you're gonna figure out what works for you so then that creates even more trust because they don't feel that feeling of like 
having to do what you say, you know, or um, yeah. having to rely on you for an answer or it's more empowering when you can walk that person through, well, no, like, what do you want to do? Well, like, yeah. it sounds well, like, you know, what your path is, you know, like I can give you suggestions and this is your life. So it, it builds a um, stronger relationship and a stronger space yes. Um, yes. for people to come to have like that yes. connection. Because that yeah. was funny you say that because I do that a lot with my clients. I make them think for themselves most yeah. of the time when they're in here. If they have a question, like my client this morning, she comes in and she goes, can we do some like upper body stuff? And then, well, um, actually, uh, like a booty burnout app. She's like, well, I, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, you know, kind of taken back for a second. But there's no wrong answer. What do you want to do? You know, I, I want a direct answer from you. I want what you genuinely feel, what you want to do right now. And she gave me a real answer after that. I'm like, well, see, was that, you know, it's almost like she's looking for this, like, approval from me when it's, it's, it's already there before you even ask the question. You know, it's just, it's, I want you to come from a place of your truth instead of being so like, you know, we're just mirrors of ourselves. So if you, if you're very unaware of like, what should you do, then I'm going to be very unaware of what we should do too. Versus if you're very direct and you trust yourself to say what you want, then I'll probably hundred percent go with that. And that's what happened. Or clients will ask questions and I'll just lead them into more questions mm -hmm. because I want them to get to the answer themselves. If I just give you the answer, like a math equation, if I just give you the answer, you don't know how to get there. So when it comes back around again, you're the still guiding, lost. The guiding, it's being a guide. And it's very yes. empowering. It's, it adds to the empowerment that you give your clients. So yes. love it. Love it all. Well, I love that yeah. uh, everything we dove into, we definitely went way past the physical stuff. So that's awesome. Um, where can people find you, your Instagram, your, your studio itself, your website? So my, my website is just buttsanddonuts.com and make sure that everyone knows it's just the letter N between butts and donuts. It's not the actual word and. Um, buttsanddonuts.com. My Instagram is also buttsanddonuts. My Facebook is buttsanddonuts. Perfect. My YouTube is buttsanddonuts. And my TikTok is also buttsanddonuts. And I'm sure that if you type that in, I might have some like underscores and stuff like that, but it doesn't matter. If you type in butts and donuts, it will pop up everywhere. Um, unless someone else is stealing my name. But those are all the, those are all the social media uh, outlets that I have right now. Awesome. And do you ever give donuts in the studio? I had to ask, sorry. People, people ask that. I swear they ask more about that than they do about the glutes and the training. They ask more about the donuts. Um, so every once in a while, I will do that. I honestly can't remember the last time I did. Um, but my client... A, a month ago or so during one of my classes, she brought in a bunch of donuts and now everyone's like, finally, finally we have the donuts. Yeah. That's um, so yeah, I just, I work at 5 a.m. in the morning. So it's hard for me to wake up and get donuts in the morning unless they have them from overnight. I bet. So, you, have that, um, you have that really cool donut place across the street from you, don't you? Yeah. Local donut. Yes. Yeah. It's actually yeah. really, it's a really good donut place. Yeah, it is. I got my but, daughter's on. She wanted donuts for her birthday this year and I got them there and there were like some with fruity pebbles and oh yeah there was a, a little bit extra one with like oreos and stuff they were really intricate it was cool i'm more of a boring boring person i don't like too much of the extravagant donuts yeah um i'm more of a you know strawberry frosted with sprinkles this is as fancy as i want to get even though i will eat every single donut there is known to mankind i just if i were to choose myself 
something like that. It's just simple and it's just, I don't know, it tastes good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Little treats. All right. Well, any last little yeah. words you want to um, leave with clients at all or listeners? Potentially? Um, let's see. Have an intention when you're working out, whether it's yoga, meditation, breath work, even just, even just walking outside, have, like, people have to become more intentional with what they're doing. Um, and that comes from within becoming more self-aware, loving yourself, no matter what the circumstances are that comes from within you. There's no validation needed for that. Um, learn to stop the comparisons and expectations of reality we live in. Um, cause it's, it's gets you more disconnected to yourself, breathe more. People don't understand how simple yet apparently how difficult it is to breathe to become more aware of your body and feel the blood flow through your body, your veins pumping, your muscles contracting and twitching and, you know, everything in your body, feeling everything in your body, you know, even just drinking water and feeling the water go down your, you know, your throat and your lungs and certain things like that. It's, it's, it's very empowering once you get there and understand what that even is in a sense, because some people might be listening going like, what is he even talking about? How do I get there? And that there is no right way to get there or, or a certain time frame to get there. It's, 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 you're on your own journey. There, there is no expected time frame. again, expectations. Um, and just knowing that you hold all the answers, you yourself have all the answers yourself. No external force can take that from you. No one else can tell you how things are, what you should do. And you always have choice. Always, always, always. Even when I see someone, uh, a movie example where someone says, well, I never had a choice. You know, they have a gun to my head, but that's the situation you put yourself in. You always have a choice. One of the choices might be to die because you're about to get, you know, whatever, but that's still a choice if you're at the most ridiculous sense. Um, and having that choice is a very empowering thing and no one can take that from you. And also just to believe in yourself, like just trust your body, trust your mind, trust your spirit, that it's going to lead yourself in the right direction in a flow state. And any given time, you'll get to where you need to get. There's no expectation, whether it's 30 years from now, don't put yourself in a situation of, well, 30 years from now, it's too long. I'm going to stop. I'm going to, just going to stop now. Well, that's the journey that we're all going through is that's the beautiful thing. We're all going through different journeys at different times. And just to accept a lot of things that happen in life, learn to, to accept them and to deal with them and to not hold on to these stresses. Cause if you don't believe that our bodies hold on to energies in certain areas of our body, you, you know, I would say you're not really true with that. It is wrong. Um, we do. And to, and to, and to embody that and accept that and try to release that, um, it's just a really, a really powerful thing. And to know that when you have control of everything, that's beautiful. You know, it's, it's not a very black and white world. It's a very, a very oneness. Uh, there's no duality states anymore. There's no, you know, like I said, left, right, up, down, wrong, right. It's, it's, we are all the same. We all come from the same, this, the same thing. We're all humans, whether it's your skin tone or where you're from, when people can start to become more empathetic of every single thing, even just walking in nature and feeling the ground and being rooted to the ground and feeling everything, we're the same. We all are the same. And when you become more close with everything like that, become a lot more close to yourself, there's, there's, it's a lot different perception. So if you can start changing your perception of that, there's nothing you can't change. And I just, you know, that was 
Love it. Start being open. There were, there was a lot of good tidbits in there. Um, it's on, yeah, going in mindfulness and be patient with yourself and the journey. Yes. Yes. And that goes along with releasing attachments and expectations. But the yes. moment you become aware of them, that's the moment you become awake. And that's the moment where you can change. And it doesn't matter if you change right away or not. Just know that the more aware you become of it, the more awake you become. Sometimes there's layers. Every time you mm -hmm. see it, it just gives you more and more choice until you yep. make that choice of like, nope, I'm going to go this way now. So, yeah. Yep. Love it. It just gets better and better and better. Yes. I love it. Yep. The more you do thank it. You, thank you. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate your time. Loved hearing about your philosophies. And maybe I'll come oh, pay you a so visit much. as long as you don't kick my butt too much. <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay. Come by any time. Just message me. I would love to have you here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. you, you uh, same to you. If you ever want to come in for a yoga session. Okay. You know, I can get you. I'm going to hold you to that. Cool. Me too. <laughs> awesome. All right. Have a wonderful okay. day. Thanks again. Thank you, Christina. I love Thank you for tuning in to the House of Minds. Cheers to mind expansion.